Hey friends, this is Josh Blair and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you could check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. These days are a rare commodity. Did you know that? Did you know that? That actually, statistically, uh, there was a survey done in 2017 uh, asking about fatherlessness in the home. And they said that one in four children in the United States are growing up in homes without fathers. That's pretty, that's pretty severe, don't you think? One in four children don't have a father in the house. They actually, they actually also saw that where fathers are absent, things like crime increases. Things like teen pregnancy increases. Things like poverty increases. Things like behavioral and mental issues increases when dads are not in the home. I just want to say to you fathers that are here and that you're leading your family, God bless you. That you, are, that you are valuable, that you have a purpose in your home, and that you're answering the call of God that he placed on your life, being a father. For dads, it's easier to run, but you chose to stay and to work and to put in the effort. And I just want to say, God bless you. I want to say, God bless you. Because of you, your children will have a better tomorrow. And so I want to say, you know, even if you're not doing it perfectly, none of us are, but God will still work through you. Interestingly enough, today our text that we'll be going into talks about a father who has a desire to see his son meet Jesus. And uh, I wanted to jump back into Mark. I told you last year when we stopped in Mark chapter 8 that we would be jumping back into the gospel of Mark to finish out the last eight chapters. And I said, I decided today would be that day we jump back into Mark. We stopped it at the end of October. We preached through September and October all the way through the Gospel of Mark for the first eight chapters, and we'll be jumping back into it. And uh, today, where we're jumping back into ver- or chapter nine, um, I already taught the first part of chapter nine, is the transfiguration. Do you remember when Jesus goes to the mountain, takes Peter, James, and John, and he, he's transfigured before them. They see the glory and the majesty of Jesus on the mountain. Well, now we're coming back down the mountain in verse 14 in chapter 9, and, and there's, there's a story there about a father and his son, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. I don't think it's coincidence that when we're jumping back into Mark, that it happens to be on this chapter, in this section, on Father's Day, because God is wanting to speak to us about the role of the father. In our text this morning, we'll be jumping into it, and one thing I love about this, about this text and about this father is that he is not perfect by any means. You'll see that as we read through it, but he still did something powerful to impact the life of his child. Picking back up in chapter, chapter nine, starting in verse 14, but we're gonna be reading out of verse 17 first, and I just wanna set the scene for us. So Jesus, like I said, on, is up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. Remember, he took those three, they, had, they saw uh, the glory of God fall, and Moses and Elijah there, and Peter's like, let's build tents, you know, do you remember that? Now they're coming back down the mountain. As they're coming back down the mountain, there's commotion at the base of the mountain. There's something going on down at the base of the mountain, and Jesus walks up, and it says that the people see Jesus, and they are amazed, the Bible tells us. They are amazed at his arrival, and some scholars say they're amazed because of the, his timing when they, sh- when they showed up. 
because they're having all this commotion and there's this arguing going on and they're looking for Jesus. They can't find Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus shows up and they're like, whoa, how'd you do that? And he's like, I'm God, right? So they, some of them say maybe it's that issue, why they're amazed. Other people believe it's because the glory residue of his transfiguration is still on him when he comes back down the mountain. Just like when Moses met with God, Mount Sinai comes down with the, the Ten Commandments. He, they see his face and it's glowing. Some people say maybe that's still why the people are amazed. They see the glowing presence of God still on Jesus as he walks down the mountain. And in either case, they're arguing. They're trying to figure something out. And God, Jesus sees it's his disciples that are arguing with the scribes, the teachers of the law. And there's a crowd gathered around. Jesus goes and he, and he asks the scribes. He asks the religious leaders, why, what are you arguing about? Why are you, why are you messing with my people? What's going on here? They don't answer him. They ignore the question. But someone in the crowd who he doesn't address speaks up. And it happens to be the father of the son that has caused all this commotion. He goes and he says this. The, the dad speaks up. How many know it's important for fathers to speak up? Verse 17 says this. And someone from the crowd answered him. Teacher, I brought my son to you. For he has a spirit that makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams, and he grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. His father, he has this son, some theologians say it's his only son, who is suffering from demonic oppression. We find out later he's been suffering his whole life, since he was a little baby up until now. He's been suffering, and some scholars believe that it's some form of epilepsy. But regardless of what, what it is, the cause of it is demonic. The Bible is very clear about that. There is a demonic spirit here that is causing this child to foam, to become rigid, to become mute. And it says, the father says, so I asked your disciples because Jesus wasn't there. He was on the mountain. He asked the disciples to cast it out and they were not able to. They were not able to. The father who was looking for Jesus found his followers and came to him and said, can you help me with this? And they were not able to. Could you imagine in that moment, you're looking for Jesus, you have enough faith to believe that Jesus can, can make a difference in your child's life, but when you encounter some of his followers, you're expecting a move of God through them and it doesn't happen. Have that is, has that ever happened to you? You come looking for Jesus, maybe you come into this church or another church and you're looking for a move of God and you encounter some of the followers of Jesus and all you find is disappointment. You don't find the power of God. You just find people who are trying to follow. Has that ever happened to you? So this father, he says, I have to find Jesus. He doesn't find Jesus. He finds his followers and they're unable to help him. And on top of that, while he's trying to seek, uh, seek healing and deliverance for his son, these religious leaders come around him and begin to argue with the disciples about why they can't cast out this demon. Has that ever ha have you ever seen that before? Where you see religious leaders show up and tell you why you can't experience a move of God? What's interesting about the scribes and the, and the religious elite in this is that they never offer a solution to the boy's demonic oppression. They just critique the fact that no, why people can't bring healing to him. 
There's something in this story that is trying to speak to all of us. Whether you don't have a relationship with God, but you're seeking him, whether you're a disciple of God, but you don't experience the power, or whether you're a religious leader and all you do is offer critiques without bringing solutions. There's a story here for all of us that God is saying, I want you to see where you're at in this story because Jesus is about to show up and he's about to do something powerful. Jesus shows up on the scene. The father says, I told your disciples, I asked them to cast them out, they couldn't do it. Now, maybe you're thinking they didn't have the ability or the, the authority to do it. But if you remember back in Mark chapter three, Jesus gave authority and power to his disciples when he sent them out and they cast out demons. They healed the sick, they raised the dead. Do you remember in Mark chapter three, Jesus sent them out and said, I give you the authority to do it. But for some reason, six chapters later, they have somehow made a disconnect between the authority they have and experiencing the power of God. There's a disconnect there. Something has happened to the disciples and the father who had the faith to believe that Jesus could do something for his son when he sought Jesus out, didn't find him right away, but only found his disciples. They couldn't drive out the demon and the father grew disappointed and began to doubt. He began to doubt because he saw the people who said they were followers of Jesus weren't performing what Jesus would do. And then he had religious leaders tell him why it wasn't gonna work for him. The father became distraught. He came to find Jesus but only found disappointment and bickering instead. This is why Paul tells us in the New Testament be mindful how you speak to one another because people could be coming into your midst looking for Jesus and only find bitterness and bickering and disagreement. Sometimes I feel like this happens a lot for people who are new in the church. They don't know what to expect when they come into church. They don't know what it's, what it's gonna look like, but they're coming to find Jesus. They're seeking after Jesus because they believe they have heard and they have seen that Jesus can make the difference. Jesus can transform them, but often when they come in, they find his disciples ready and willing to follow, but lacking the power they need. Or they find religious elite there telling them the reasons why they can't experience a power of God. They don't look right. They aren't living right. They're doing things wrong. This is why God won't move in you, instead of giving them a solution to the problems they're facing. My friends, I'm here to tell you today that if you will wait on Jesus, that if you won't grow disappointed in man or even the institution of church, but say, I am willing to look for Jesus. I am willing to wait for Jesus. I promise you, he will come through for you and you will receive the thing that you're asking for. The answer is not in people. It's not, in, the solution is not in people. People always will disappoint. Why? Because we are broken and flawed, all of us, but we know who to point to. People will be discouraged, and I, even have pa I know people who are disappointed in pastors because the pastor didn't do this or didn't do that for them or didn't say the right things, and can I tell you, I am imperfect. We are imperfect. I'm not always gonna do things right, but I promise you, just like the disciples, if you will hang around the disciples long enough, Jesus will show up. This is what happened to this man. He came to the disciples. They couldn't give him the solution that he needed. But the fact that, that he was around the disciples of Jesus meant that Jesus was coming soon. So I would encourage you, keep hanging around the disciples of Jesus because Jesus will show up.
if we'll wait for him. And Jesus answered them, O faithless generation, all this commotion's going on, this child is still demon-possessed, he's rigid on the floor. And Jesus says, you faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, scholars don't know who Jesus is rebuking here. He doesn't know if he's rebuking the scribes. He doesn't know if he's rebuking the disciples. He doesn't, he doesn't, we don't know if he's rebuking the crowd. But it is safe to say that their faith is at an all-time low, regardless of who he's talking to, because of what they're seeing right in the midst of them. They're seeing chaos. They're seeing brokenness. They're seeing oppression. And they're saying, what's going on? And their faith is decreasing. And Jesus says, how long are you going to stay faithless? When will you become faithful? How long? So they bring the child to him. They bring the child to him. And I know I can understand what people say. Pastor, I, I know what it means to lose faith. Has that ever happened to any of you? You've lost faith. It's maybe a situation where you prayed for someone to be healed and they didn't get healed. Maybe you prayed for a situation for God to work things out and it got worse. And then your, your faith can take a hit, can't it? You begin to doubt God. What's going on? Why is this happening? What, what, why is this situation not getting better when I came to seek after you? And your faith can be affected. But I have to remind us that the answer is not found in people, but the answer is always found in Jesus. I can't help but wonder if the disciples forgot that. They got maybe a little cocky in themselves. They had experienced the power of God in Mark chapter 3. Do you remember when they come back to Jesus, they're like, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick, right? He's, he, they're excited. God had given them the authority. And I wonder if they got a little cocky and they thought, hey, this is just another demon-possessed kid. This is, you know what? We don't, even, we don't even need to call out to God for this. We can just command it and it'll do it. Maybe they forgot where the authority and the power came from. Maybe they, th they thought, we already have it, and I don't need to cry out to God for the answer. I can just do it on my own power. Maybe they forgot they needed to stay connected to the Father. Verse 20 says this, And they brought the boy to Jesus, and when the Spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell at the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. So we see it's not just a sickness here. It is demonic oppression. And Jesus asked the Father, How long has, has this been happening to him? And the Father said, From childhood. And it was often, he was often, it would cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. See, the enemy wants to destroy your children. The enemy wants to come after your children. And the fathers are the one who starts to stand up to be the protection of their children. And it would say, he says that it would go to destroy him. But if you can do anything, the man says, but if you can do anything, he says to Jesus, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus says to him, if you can. All things are possible for the one who believes. All things are possible. He wasn't saying, I'm limited. If I can do something, no. If you have the faith, all things are possible for those who believe. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now the father obviously had faith in Jesus. Why else would he seek Jesus out to heal his son if he didn't already believe that Jesus could do something? It's important to note that he had faith, but when he encountered disciples that were powerless and religious elite who told him why he couldn't find a solution, disappointment began to set in. 
and that faith began to decrease. It began to go down. I know that I've been there before. I know that you've been there before. But if we take our eyes off Jesus and put them on other people, hoping that they'll be our solution to the needs we have, we'll miss it. I want to make clear as well here that Jesus, when he says back to the Father, if you can, all things are possible for those who believe. He's not saying that if, if, if you just believe hard enough, you can have whatever you want. He's not saying uh, be, because you're still sick, you have a lack of faith. That's not what he's saying. This is not a word of faith moment where people say, name it and claim it. You can have what you want. If you believe and if you're sick and you're still sick, you just have a lack of faith and it's your problem. That's not what Jesus is saying here. What he is saying here is your, where you put your faith is important. And if you have a lack of faith, you can separate yourself from believing that God can move. But it's not your faith alone that brings the healing. It's your faith in believing that God can do it that opens the door for him to do it. But it is not only up to you. But you do need to believe. There is a distinction there because there are people who teach whatever, if you just believe hard enough and if anything's going wrong in your life, it's because something's wrong with you or because you're sinning or because you don't have a lack of, you have a lack of faith and that's not what Jesus is saying here. But Jesus is saying who you believe in and what you believe does matter. Does that make sense? And he is saying if you won't believe, you will close the door to a miracle of God in your life. But if you will believe, then God can do something. And we are a people who believe this, that God is still sovereign and he is on the throne. And if he wills it, it will be done. And we are a people who will still ask for the miracle regardless if he heals or not. Because he's God and he is still in control and we trust him. Whether we receive what we want to receive or we don't, we don't become bitter because of it. Because we still recognize that Jesus is still king and he is still the one on the throne. But we will ask for it. Amen? We will be a people who believe God can do all things and we're willing to seek it out. Jesus is telling us here, believe that I can do it and allow me to do it in your life. What I love about this father here is that in this encounter with Jesus, he's willing to do whatever it takes for his son. With tears in his eyes, the Bible tells us, he says, I believe, but will you also help my unbelief? This is probably one of the most profound things that we can read in Scripture, a confession of somebody seeking after Jesus, saying, I recognize the lack that I have, and I'm willing to admit it, Jesus, and I'm willing for you, I'm asking you to help me with it so that my son does not miss the miracle he needs. The father is willing to say, God, if there's something in me that is stopping a blessing for my children. Would you work it out in me so my children can still be blessed by you? This is what the, the heart of every father, to say, God, if there's something in me that is stopping my children from knowing you, would you correct it? Because I don't want to hinder the blessing to my children. I don't want to make my children stumble by the way I live my life. I want to be somebody who says, God, I am willing to follow you. I'm willing to admit my lack so that you can continue to move in me so that I can be the father my children need me to be. This father says, I believe, but I know that I have areas in my life where I still disbelieve. And I want you to help me. The fathers cried out. And I know it's the prayer of every father today that we need to bring 
our children to Jesus. That's what I love about this man. Even though he was imperfect, even though he had doubts still, even though he still had issues in his life, he knew where the solution was for the things that ail us in life. And he brought his son to the feet of Jesus. This is every father's call to bring your children to Jesus. We need to lead our babies to Jesus. It doesn't have to be perfect and we don't have to be perfect, but we can't let anything or anyone stop us from getting our children to him. And like this father, we can admit that we don't have it all figured out, but we know the one who can turn things around for us. We can turn to Jesus and say this morning, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me in the areas where I still doubt, where I still struggle, where I still mess up because I don't want my kids to suffer because of my lack of faith in these areas of my life. Help me, Jesus. And all the dads said, amen. There is something special about dads that, that are needed in every home. And I can say this without disparaging homes that don't have fathers right now. We all know without mamas, we would be destroyed. Yes? So I'm not, I, I'm not trying to disparage moms who are in single mother homes, but I am saying to the fathers, if I can just speak to fathers right now, that your role is vital, your role is important, that you are needed, that you're in a position that God has given you, that you hold the key that leads your family to Jesus. Don't leave it up to mama alone. Be the man of your house to say, we're gonna, you're the first one to serve. You're the first one to love. You're the first one to forgive. You're the first one to seek forgiveness. You're the first one to say, I'm sorry. You're the first one to say, I am gracious and merciful and kind and patient. I lead the way to Jesus. Come on, you can clap for that. As the father, you say, I'll lead the way even though I'm imperfect even though I still have areas in my heart that God needs to transform. I'm not gonna allow the enemy to lie to me, to disqualify me from leading my family to Jesus. I've even heard it preached once from a very a dear pastor that I love who said this way, that when the man cried out to Jesus for help in disbelief, he was crying out to help him unbelieve the lies of the enemy that would be stopping him from believing what God had for him. So when he said this, I believe in you, help my unbelief. He was saying, help me unbelieve the lies that the enemy has told me, the lies that I'm not good enough, the lies that I'm not important, the lies of what I choose to do in my private life won't affect my children and my marriage and my family. Help me unbelieve the lies of the enemy so that I can continue to believe in you. Cry out to God right now. This is what I would call us to do. And ask him, what are the lies that you've been believing from the devil about yourself? All of us have given our ear to the enemy sometimes and we believe his lies over us. And right now, just take 10 seconds. Just close your eyes and say, Lord, show me what areas in my life where I've been believing a lie. Lord, show me what areas in my life where I've been believing a lie. Show me, Lord, and help me disbelieve the lies of the enemy. This is what we need right now, God. Help us. And here's the power of Jesus. He doesn't leave the boy to suffer. He rebukes the demon, and he says to him, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing terribly on the ground, 
it came out and the boy was like a corpse, the Bible says. And most in the crowd said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And Jesus today is ready to stretch his hand out towards you and lift you up out of where the enemy had you to place you back on your feet again. Even if it looks like all hope is lost, even if, some, if it looks like there's the death of something that you love and hold dear and it seems like it's not ever going to happen, Jesus is still here to meet with you. How does he do it? How do we meet him today? The answer is found in verse 29 when the disciples take Jesus away privately and they go to ask him, why couldn't we drive out the demon ourselves? They go to, they go to Jesus and say, hey, come here. That was awesome what you did, but why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus tells him what we need to hear as well. He said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. By anything but prayer. Some translations say prayer and fasting. The original context says prayer. And I want to focus on prayer right now. Because we can do nothing apart from God, church. And as his disciples, if we feel like, even though we're following Jesus, if we're not praying and we're not seeking the face of God on a daily basis, we will miss the power of God in our lives that would, that would be the evidence that our people are looking to see that God is real and that God is moving. There is something that we have to be as, a, as disciples of Jesus to say, not only do I know him, not only do I follow him, I talk to him on a regular basis. There is power in prayer. How do we connect to God? It's through prayer. And it's, it's obvious that the disciples were not praying. As if they were, the demon would have been cast out. Jesus said it can only happen through prayer. The disciples were following Jesus, but they weren't regularly seeking the Father in prayer. And as followers of Jesus, we are powerless without prayer. When people come to us looking for answers, do we, like the disciples, try in our own power to give them what they need, or do we reach out to the Father and say, He is the one who has the answers? Do we point to Jesus and say, He's the one who has the solutions? I might not all get it right. I might not all have all, have all the answers, but I know the one who does. And we seek Him in power, and we seek Him for guidance. My prayer is that we would be more dependent on God through prayer than leaning on our own understanding. Because we can know Jesus but are we seeking him daily? Let's not bring discouragement to people who are searching for Jesus and cause them to disbelieve or give them a stumbling block, reasons why not to believe, because the power of God is not evident in the disciples of Jesus. And heaven forbid that we look like the scribes who only tell people why they can't experience a move of God. Heaven forbid that we become like religious leaders that tell them, oh, yeah, yeah, you're not, God can't move in you because you have this or because of that. That's not what people need. They need to see a power. Of the, they need to see the power of God moving. Amen? Through us, his disciples. So today, I want to give everyone under the sound of my voice a chance. If you've come here today looking for Jesus, I want to make sure that you encounter the love of God today. He is the one who is the healer. He is the life giver. And I don't want to hinder anyone or discourage you from getting to Jesus today. But I want to bring you to his feet so that he can change your life. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, as the worship team comes, would you close your eyes and bow your heads as a time of 
a time for us to ask the Lord to move in this house. And if you've come here today looking for Jesus, to encounter Jesus and to know Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to give your life to him, to surrender your heart to him, because only in him are the answers you need. So on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to accept Jesus right now. I want to accept him. One, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but today, right now, we know that you have an opportunity to know Jesus. Two, I believe the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. I believe that he is moving and you can feel him right now. Your choice is to surrender. Three, right now, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want Jesus to move in me. We thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Seeing no hands raised, and I want to pray for all of us who are followers of Jesus, that we would not be disciples who are powerless, but we would be followers of Jesus who experience the move of God in our lives with evidence, with the power of the Holy Spirit. So right now, I just want to pray over you. And as you're seated, just, just posture yourselves to receive from the Lord today. Lord, as we, as we open our hearts to you, we ask, Holy Spirit, those of us who follow you, those who say that we are Christians, those who say we are disciples of Jesus, I pray, God, that we would learn from this story in Mark chapter 9, that we are the representation of Christ in the earth, and that, God, you have given us authority to trample over the enemy, to come against darkness, that, but that we would not be people who are powerless to do it even though we have been given the authority. Help us to recognize, God, the power of the Holy Spirit comes through us and to us through prayer. And I pray, God, that as your people, we would be, we would be people who seek your face daily and recognize the role and the importance of prayer that brings the power. We ask, God, that you would do it now in every heart and every life. I pray that, God, as believers, we would accept the challenge to seek your face every day, that we would cut out time to spend time with you, to pray for our loved ones, to pray for our coworkers, to pray with our fellow classmates. God, to seek your face, because we can do nothing apart from you. But with you, all things are possible, and we believe it. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Come on, would you praise the Lord this morning? Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. It'd help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley Church, go to cvcmadera.churchcenter.com for more information. We love you. God bless.